Ladies and gentlemen, drink a Dr. Pepper. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We discuss movie news, movie rumors, and those ever-important movie rumblings, and then we break it on down for our chosen movie of the week. Fret not, spoilerphobes. We will give you plenty of warning before we drift into spoiler territory, and make sure you stick around for our weekly recommends. Brian, this week's chosen movie of the week is... This week, we're going to be talking about 1994's Forrest Gump. It's funny what a young man recollects. You're the same as everybody else. You are no different. Your boy's different. So if you're worried about spoilers, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> it's uh, it's still pretty new, though. I mean, it really hasn't <laughs> seeped into the American film landscape yet. Yeah. I mean, it's still kind yeah. of hovering on that top bubble. Uh, I mean, it might will... be a cult classic at one point. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's lucky. Yeah. Only true cinephiles have seen Forrest Gump, really. Yeah. I mean, you have to be deep in the industry to even have heard of it. Right. So, when did the Criterion Collection come out? <laughs> uh, so it's been, a, it's been quite a, a month of throwback episodes, fellas. Yeah. You, if, you, if you hate throwback episodes, you can thank Hollywood because we have yeah. literally no choice. Right. There is seriously nothing coming out. Yeah. I mean, nothing even of note. Uh, that could possibly be considered a a worthy uh, movie for a podcast. So, Guardians of the Galaxy still number one at the theater, mm-hmm. as we had predicted a a few weeks ago. And uh, Ninja Turtles is still holding strong, and a couple of other movies um, are still sort of rounding out the end of the summer. Before a couple weeks from now, we start getting our first real awards contender type movies. Uh, the Liam Neeson. Um, Walk Among Tombstones comes out soon, as well as uh, This Is Where I Leave You, Yep, the movie that's based on the book that uh, two members of our podcast are quite fond of. Yeah. So a uh, lot to look forward to in the later weeks of this month, but uh, not a lot to look forward to now. This movie, Forrest Gump, celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, like Brian alluded to, uh, in 2014. The movie saw a modest IMAX re-release this past week, which I believe is still going on. And it's a movie that's come up numerous times, like last week's movie we did our throwback episode on The Matrix. It's a movie where we've uh, you know, slightly discussed this movie in the past, never in full detail, never really given full reviews, each of us. So it'll be a good opportunity with the IMAX re-release for you to listen to an episode Maybe refresh your memory on Forrest Gump if you haven't seen it in 20 years. And it's going to be a good chance to talk about this, uh, if anything. I know, because it, this should be a good discussion. I'm excited. Are you guys excited? I know you're excited, Brian. You're excited. I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> I know. you're The the text messages filled with vulgarity <laughs> um, this past week. Just solid vulgarity for four straight days as you were prepping for this episode. So yep. I'm excited. Pretty I'm really excited. Really excited. But... So on today's show, we're going to re- do our Forrest Gump review at the end. Of course, stay tuned till the end for our weekly recommend segment in which each of us will suggest something, as always, that you need to check out as soon as possible. I'm pretty excited about my weekly recommend this week. We're going to each bring nominations for American Treasures, which I'm also quite excited about. And uh, But before we do all that, guys, let's dive right in to a little bit of movie news. Movie news. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let's 
the filibustering begin? I think the most newsworthy headline that's come out for the past week or so in the movie News, Rumors, Rumblings world is, of course, this highly anticipated, much-talked-about Ghostbusters reboot. Yeah. Bill Murray has talked about this, uh, has been doing press for his new film, St. Vincent, which comes out this fall. But he has been asked, of course, about Ghostbusters 3. He brought up some names that I think we should discuss for who he thinks would be worthy to carry on the Ghostbusters franchise. Are you guys ready for this? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Okay, first of all, we should just talk about the fact that this is being called Ghostbusters 3. If this in any way is attached to the previous franchise, I'm going to be so offended. You know it is I mean? it's totally going to be totally going to be it, they've got to sell it that way yeah i think it should be uh just ghostbusters reboot 2014 <laughs> you know completely start over uh <laughs> this does not belong in the same uh echelon as the other ghostbusters films but uh i digress okay the people he really wants to star in this are people who said uh would be really good for an all-female-led ghostbusters is Melissa McCarthy. Of course, yes. She said, he says, and I quote, Melissa McCarthy would be a spectacular Ghostbuster. <laughs> That's a sentence I wish I'd never had to utter, <laughs> but I did. The next three aren't so bad, and it's people that we, I think, sort of uh, predicted when we talked about this briefly well, when they announced there's it one was person, There's one person on this list that Brian and I hate. Okay. We will, we will always hate, though it's not her fault at all. Um, do, you know, do you know who I'm referring to? I've I'm possibly. Okay. Yeah. So the names are, and I hope it's not this one. Kristen Wiig. No, we like. No, her. she's you great. like her. Yep. Uh, Emma Stone. We like her. Fantastic. Yep. Linda Cardellini. Yep. Hate. Despise her. Hate her. Hate yeah. her. Yeah. She broke she, up Corey and Topanga, exactly. dude. You, you don't oh, get over that sort right. of thing. Yeah, you're right. That's true. I I don't care if it's not her fault. She took the role. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll mean, never, I'll never forgive her. She kissed Corey at that ski lodge, and then you know Topanga finds out. I mean, it was it was a rough senior year. Look, I had a tough time in high school because of that. <laughs> uh, I'm only a little kidding. Like it, it may have kept me up at night. I, I'm not willing to forgive her for this, even after she had to do two Scooby Doo movies as penance. I'm not, I'm not okay with her. And get locked in a hotel room by Don Draper. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Noticeably absent. An African-American female, so hoping Whoopi Goldberg can (laughs) capitalize on her performance in Ninja Turtles. And uh, and, and I think she's still got so many good years left in her, Whoopi. Yeah, yeah. My favorite thing, this is is sort of a mini weekly recommend. Somebody started a Twitter account called Whoopi Picks, and it's just pictures of Whoopi Goldberg all throughout (laughs) the day. It's incredible. So uh, look that one up. Have you seen the trailer? uh, This movie she made in in the early 90s is kind of finally has a trailer online. People don't remember this because it didn't end up getting released. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Where she's a uh, crime-fighting detective who's partnered with a dinosaur. (laughs) It's called Theodore Rex. Theodore Rex, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's also incredible. You've got to see this trailer, Brian. I have. I have. I have. I'm a connoisseur. And the kid from uh, the son-in-law from Father of the Bride voices, ah. voices George Newbern himself, <laughs> voices uh, Theodore Rex. 
Theodore Rex was supposed to come out in 1995. Jonathan R. Butel was the uh, the man behind Theodore We should Rex. Uh, do an episode on Theodore Rex. I think it would be really funny because they, they've been circ- – Leo DiCaprio has been circling um, a project with Scorsese for <laughs> 10 years called Theodore Rex. Um, that's a Teddy Roosevelt. The Edmund Morris – the first oh, book right. of the Edmund yeah. Morris trilogy – about uh, Theodore Roosevelt is called Theodore Rex. So I think it would be really funny if they had any sense of humor at all if uh, they, while they were making it they released a still of just Leonardo DiCaprio and a talking dinosaur and just like, oh, this is what we're remaking. This, is, I, this needs to be done. That would be funny, right? I would watch that. <laughs> okay. And that's more, uh, more up my alley. But there has to be a dinosaur involved somehow. Yeah, I mean, obviously. You can't have the word Rex and not have a dinosaur in there. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt and a dinosaur. Boom. <laughs> With some I like age makeup in the Greek uh, the plays in, Oed- in Oedipus Rex when the dinosaur shows throws up shows up that's that's a little weird. So what do you guys think about these females? Um, I think they're the most obvious ones. I've heard that Emma Stone's already turned it down like two years ago, so that's good. Uh, but but the last part about this is uh, Bill Murray said they keep asking him like why why aren't you doing this and he says well. Um, I would love to do another Ghostbusters if there was a script that's decent. <laughs> so that just tells you exactly where this film is going. And it's just really exciting. I mean, uh, I just think they've thought this out. They're not just going to throw something together and put it out there to make money or capitalize on, uh, on a previous franchise. I mean, this is a gen- you know, this is 100% a, a re-envisioning, I should say, a reimagining yeah. of Ghostbusters. Yeah, and Dan Aykroyd isn't desperate for money at all. Or so, attention. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing Ernie Hudson is he in this movie? That guy deserves yeah, a break. He does. He really does. Uh, I'm guessing that Melissa McCarthy is going to play the smart, intelligent one that, uh, <laughs> that uses her brain and wits to get them out of sticky situations. She's always typecast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she just needs to break that mold. Literally, brilliant, graceful uh, oh. character. <laughs> when will she figure? You know, break free. I. Uh, I saw like a thread on this posted on Reddit about uh, about this rumor, and everyone was legitimately like excited for Melissa McCarthy. Like, like I'm telling you, we a, don't like, get it. I don't it understand. Is, I never I will understand. It's it's someone doing a, a Jack Black Chris Farley impression to me, and I like her when she does serious dramatic stuff. It's just this character that she puts on is just so played out and done a million times to me. I don't I don't get it. We're on the same page there. I would like to do a Melissa McCarthy film someday. Not a movie, film. We can fully discuss her Saint uh, filmography. St. Vincent. There you go. I bet she'll fall down somewhere. I mean, that's in her contract, <laughs> isn't it? Must fall down. <laughs> anyway, um, so the last bit of movie news I wanted to talk about before we, um, before we bring American Treasure nominations to the table, fellas. Uh, the long-anticipated, long-debated... Quentin Tarantino Hateful Eight film mm-hmm. is happening. So exciting, exciting stuff. Um, if you didn't know, if you didn't listen to our podcast back then, if you don't follow movie news at all, Tarantino began working on this project after after Django started writing this screenplay called The Hateful Eight, which was a Western. And uh, finished the screenplay, got really excited about it, and sent it to a few of his friends in Hollywood, uh, probably three or four actors that he was interested in uh, in showing the thing to, gauging interest and such. Uh, one of their agents, one of the actors or something, 
leaked the script, uh, got it or put it in the wrong hands, and the script uh, leaked out on the internet. And uh, the unreleased Hateful Eight uh, movie screenplay was released on the internet for everybody to gush over. Tarantino got really, really mad, uh, swore he would never make the film, protested the whole process, uh, sued a couple of companies for posting links to the screenplay on their websites and, and, and such. Uh, he got a lot of positive feedback from this screenplay. A lot of people liked it. Uh, I'm sure the actor friends that, that read it really liked it and encouraged Quentin to make the film. So he did a live read of The Hateful Eight in Hollywood, which was closed to everybody. It wasn't open to even cameras or anything. There's no you know video recording of it or anything like that. Did a live read with the, with the cast he wanted to to star in the film or at least uh, rumored to have wanted to star in the film, eventually decided, wow, this is really good. Uh, it was supposed to be just a one-night thing only, uh, the, the live read, and then he was going to put it to rest and work on another movie. So he's shooting The Hateful Eight, confirmed this January for release next, uh, next fall, t- 2015, and it'll be the highest distributed f- film in Cinemascope 70mm film stock uh, to be released. Cool. So. Really cool. Um, I think Paul Thomas Anderson utilized a little bit of that in The Master, and it was an absolutely awesome experience to see The Master on a big screen. So I'm really excited for this. Uh, I've read the screenplay. It's fantastic. And uh, some names that are circling it is uh, Michael Madsen, of course, Bruce Dern, Tim Roth, and others. You know, I'm sure Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman will also be involved. By the way... Should be noted, Tarantino and Uma Thurman officially an item. So that rumor can be put. Oh, to really? Rest. Yeah, like madly in love, like gonna get married and stuff. Really, kind of, kind of crazy. You could always tell that he was in love with her for yeah. Forever. It's like Kate Winslet and Leo DiCaprio. But I just I don't think we ever mentioned that, and I thought that was an interesting bit of news too. So y'all are dead silent, and uh, we'll move on. No, that's no. good. The IMDb page has Sam Jackson, Kurt Russell. Tim Roth, Walt Goggins, yeah. Bruce Dern. Like, this is going to be pretty awesome. Amber Tamlin. Yeah. Who made a really, remember that really strange appearance she had in Django? Like, just for yeah. a half a second. Right. So, yep. this is the. I always uh, thought she was probably just edited out of that. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. She's yeah, no, lucky I'm, I'm stoked. She's married to Tobias Funke, so <laughs> she has that going for her. Wow. Yeah. This is really cool, though. The official, the trailer, teaser trailer has been released. I haven't seen it. Apparently, it came before the Expendables three. Um, Ryan saw that. You didn't see the trailer. No, it was, it was before. It was before Spin City. I mean, Spin, Spin City. City. That's right. The, the screen City. version of the Michael J. Fox <laughs> sitcom from the nineties that's just been re-released. No, it was uh, before Sin City, so that's why not. Okay, about halfway through the movie, Charlie Sheen takes over for <laughs> yeah. Michael J. Fox. No one yes. notices. It's yep, exactly. Timely. Strong Alan Ruck comeback. Yeah. <laughs> So I haven't seen um, I haven't seen the trailer on the big screen. I'm sure it's pretty cool, uh, but I mean, just excited for any Tarantino stuff or just one more great film to look forward to in 2015, if there weren't enough already. Yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to Tarantino with Cinemascope. Um, so yeah. film geek and me is is freaking out on that one. Okay, guys, before we talk Forrest Gump, let's nominate some American treasures. Does anybody want to explain what the American Treasure Hall of Fame is all about? If you go on to our website at madaboutmovies.com, 
Podcast.com. You will see a link on the left-hand side that says American Treasures. American Treasures are people that we feel represent everything that is wonderful about uh, this country and our culture. And it's kind of like the equivalent of being knighted, we like to think, uh, for your contributions to the to society. Um, we have a few interesting qualifications since, since we are the voting body here. We fo- focus mostly on film and TV uh, people. But that, that is, it is not exclusive. We have public figure sector as well. We also have a North American treasures list, which helps our, uh, our brothers from the north. What, what it means is you've had a, a career of longer than 25 years, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, a career or, or, of longer, over, or over 50 years old. Or you're over 50 years old. Uh, you have to have a sense of humor about yourself. So if you're kind of a, a pretentious blowhard, you will not be an American treasure. This is a big uh, qualification. And you have to have a body of work. Uh, that we think is is significant and fun and has brought us in joy and most importantly proud pride uh, of yeah. being American as well. So uh, that's about it. I think Perfectly something explained, that sir. I think something that should be noted from now on is relevancy. People that have stayed relevant throughout the entire the entirety of their career. Does that make sense? Okay. Sure. People uh, like you didn't fade away thirty years ago, and then we're gonna. We're going to induct you in the American Treasure Hall of Fame. Not going to happen. You got this sort of state in the willingly state in the public eye for for a while. So I think all of our current um, all of our current American treasures qualify in that regard. So without further ado, fellas, Brian, we'll start with you. Sure. Who uh, who do you want to bring to the table this week? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go really old school. I'm gonna go with somebody who uh, hasn't been as I don't know, in the spotlight as you might, as some of these other people that we've nominated recently, uh, but had a, I think is one of the masters of stand-up comedy for sure, sitcom comedy as well. Uh, he's been in several movies. I don't feel like I have to make that much of a case for for this guy. I feel like this is someone who uh, should easily garner induction into the American church, but but we'll see. Maybe Maybe you guys feel differently. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate one Mr. Bob Newhart Ooh. for induction as an American treasure. Wow, I'm going old school. Long, Wasn't long expecting time. this one. I know, I know. I, I'm trying to keep it fresh, trying to keep you guys on your toes. Look, he's been in a he's been in very three or four very successful sitcoms. He was one of the I don't know. I you, can, you probably can't say one of the original, quote unquote, original stand-up comedians, but I think he was right at the forefront of when stand-up comedy became a thing that uh, that mattered. He's got such a, I think, a very uh, unique and um, relatable comedic timing and tone. That the deadpan bit works very successfully. Uh, I don't know. It's just a guy that has always made me laugh, even when he shows up in bad shows or bad movies or or whatever the case may be i i feel like he raises the level of whatever he's in i don't know just a great great stand-up just a great comedian all around and by all accounts a really truly cool guy so bob newhart discussion richard pros and or cons i'm gonna tell you now not a lot of cons with that pick that's uh that's pretty strong big newhart fan i think the single funniest thing like ever in the history of sitcoms is when on his third show on the finale, he woke up in the bed with his wife from the first show that yes. sitcom that he did. And in the third show had all been a dream from his first sitcom. Hilarious. That's one of the, that's one of the funniest and original endings to a show ever. 
you know, just a really versatile, I think, uh, performer. Someone I think probably could have done a, a good deal of dramatic work and never yeah. did, but totally could have. Um, uh, a great stand-up. Uh, if you've never watched any, there's some like CBS Sunday morning features on his friendship, especially with Don Rickles. Mm-hmm. Um, two completely opposite performers, and they are like traveling friends. Like they go see the world together with their wives and have for for quite some time. Um, really, just kind of an interesting human being, and just enormously influential. Uh, I think in his in his style. Um, I mean, you look at and, uh, this is not an insult of her at all. Uh, because she's grown it quite a bit. But, I mean, Ellen DeGeneres is essentially just always doing a Bob Newhart impression. Yes. And so, I mean, and, and, and to enormous success. So uh, that, there's a lot to be said about his influence. And, uh, yeah, just an adorable human being as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm 100% on board with that. You have my vote. So not that it matters, Kent, but how would, how would you vote? Well, one question. Mm-hmm. Does his involvement in the Big Bang Theory not negate uh, any American treasure? No, I'm just kidding. But then we I, could nominate Jim Parsons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As the only member of this this uh, committee that watches the Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. and I can tell you he's freaking hilarious on that show. It's such a great bit. And that show, I mean, I it totally deserves all the, the trash that gets talked about it. Newhart is awesome on that show in the two or three episodes that he's been on. It's it's hilarious. He had a pretty good run uh, from 2000 into 2003, in which he filmed but didn't release "Untitled Cisco Project," starring <laughs> Thong Song singer Cisco. So, <laughs> never got to see that. that I'm sure that would have been put that fantastic. on the tomb th- tombstone. What's great yeah. is every year on my birthday, I look at the celebrity birthdays, and Cisco was still holding it down at number one. Nice and. <laughs> Of November 9th birthdays. There's just not a lot of us. And I like to think, not that I'm a celebrity, but this podcast, <laughs> at this point, more people listen to me than Cisco, right? Yeah. yeah. No question. I should be number one. <laughs> you got a point. And I also like Bob Newhart's involvement in 2003's Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The better one of the two. He right. was nominated for a Golden Globe for that, right? I have no idea. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just making um, but no, this is a guy that... Uh, you're right. Has had an outstanding career, starting with the Bob Newhart show in 1961, and then they rebooted Bob Newhart show in the 70s, and uh, on till today. He's he's one of the best stand-up comedians, like you said, Brian, of all time. I bought one of his stand-up albums on vinyl like uh, last week. Half Price right, Books really? had it for like 50 cents or something. Nice. So I was like, you, how can you not buy that? Yeah, you know? that's awesome. And it's all and it's him and it, when he was really young, like in the 50s or 60s. Too, yeah, it's like called so. buttoned up comedy or something like that. Right. It's called yeah. the delectable Bob Newhart or something okay. like something really fifties cheesy, something like that. But one of my personal favorite, you know, comedic minds of all time and great, great nomination. Not somebody I would have thought of immediately. Thank you, Brian. You always, you never fail to disappoint <laughs> with your nominations. So there you go. Uh, Bob Newhart now an American treasure. Richard. Yeah, I've got one. This one's, this one's a little out there. So um, if, I won't be terribly upset if you if you don't go with me on it, but I think I think you just might. I'm going to do a public figure here today. I'm not going to go uh, actor, comedian, uh, musician. I'm going to go someone in the public figure sector. It's someone that brings me great joy every time I see them on television. Uh, someone whom I, I adore, and in and even more than than them, I adore uh, impressions of them. Uh, this is a political figure. 
that I think we everyone can agree on that they like, even if they don't vote for their party. And, and this is a political figure that's actually never run for office, so that helps. So I'm going to elect for American Treasure. And who is more American and more fun than the gentleman I'm about to say? American Treasure, James Carville. Oh. 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 Wow. I'm a bit speechless. Brian. So I hate politics more than anything, except for maybe the movie that we're about to talk about. But but (laughs) I feel like he should get in just for Bill Hader's impression. (laughs) Like, Well, the best uh, part about that impression is it's only about – 2% 2% exaggerated. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He is an actual <laughs> crazy person, I think. But in the fun fun crazy, which is good. This is one of those, it's like, I could never make a case for James Carville, but I certainly wouldn't vote against him. You know? Like, uh, I, I can add nothing to the conversation beyond he makes me laugh, and we all need laughing when it comes to politics. So I'll give you uh, some more. You know, he, I don't know how much you guys know about Mr. Carville. So he is the leading uh, – or one of – with Paul Begala and, and George Stephanopoulos, the leading kind of architects of the, the 92 Clinton campaign, uh, whereas his wife was, was running the, the Bush campaign. So she's a leading Republican strategist. He's a leading Democratic strategist, which is just kind of charming and wonderful, right, that they just don't they, – they kind of admit that it's just all a game and – Everyone pretty much is the same, and uh, they're just a fun, fun family. And also, he goes on sports radio shows and does gambling lines on football every week because <laughs> he nice. doesn't care. He's just the best. So I'm going to go. I'm, 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 I'm fired up about this one, but I, I will understand if you because it is out, out of left field. So Ken, I'm interested in your in your thoughts. You know what? If it wasn't for his stellar, humorous film career, I'd have to say no. Yeah, but this is a guy who's been in. Everything. Uh, as himself, school. really. He's been in 30 Rock. He was in um, The Muppets, the reboot of Muppets in 2011 as James Carville. <laughs> he was in G.I. Joe Retaliation as James Carville. <laughs> that, might, that might hurt a little bit. Yeah. He's also randomly in uh, the uh, Brad Pitt, Jesse James movie. Yeah, yes. Assassination. Of, <laughs> like he weirdest. plays the governor. Yeah, yeah. you're right. But, I mean, he's done... Everything as himself, like they don't even write, yeah. really write characters for him anymore. Well, you just, can't just write show a up. character yeah. that's just, better than him. Also, He's great in old school. Yeah, also made an appearance in old school. Who is? Yeah, one of my favorite lines ab- about James Carville comes from Family Guy, believe it or not. And James Carville just shows up, and someone looks at him and goes, "Oh man, what happened? Did somebody open the Ark of the Covenant?" That's <laughs> 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 you know, such a great line. He just looks like. Uh, Something traumatic happened to him. My my favorite time. is the Bill Hader. Here, let me see if I can. He goes. Uh, he goes. Now I know Mitt Romney looks like a president, but we shouldn't always get the job we look like we'd be right for. If that was true, I'd be king of the snakes. <laughs> yeah. And then he slithers. Ooh. Yeah. Greatness. Oh, fantastic. Very very interesting nomination. I like that. I like I was, that. I was enjoying him last night on on some YouTube. I just randomly fell down a wormhole and I was like, you know what? This guy's great. Yeah. That is what's great about the American Treasure Hall of Fame. Never people you expect, but always people that are 100% American yeah, treasures. Yeah. It's never it's, it's just, never the first person you'd think of. I just think Carville to me personifies what an American treasure is because I don't think he could exist in any other country. <laughs> he is 100% American. And yeah. that's why I vote for him. But what do you guys vote for? You guys If he could or- run for office, I know. Would that not be the greatest American <laughs> political campaign of all time. 
in the uh, in the debates. Now, 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 hear me out here. Uh, yeah, Carville Peter Sharpton, should... twenty sixteen, <laughs> just the most cluster of a campaign of all time would be amazing. Well, you got my vote. I vote yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm a yes too, Richard. Oh, nice. So, I didn't know about that one. I feel yeah, good about it. No, um, like I said, if it wasn't for his film career or sense of humor about oneself, if yeah. you will, uh, I wouldn't have voted for him. But he, uh, man, 100%. So I'm going to bring this, this, uh, this person to the table for my nomination. It can be considered an actor or a public figure, depending on your viewpoint of this person. Uh, he's somebody who's been involved with the Hollywood uh, ecosystem since he was just a young lad, somebody who has continued to stay relevant in not only comedy, but also drama as well, and uh, is just a fantastic visionary for the advancement of Hollywood's industry. And uh, so I want to bring to the table today American treasure Ron Howard. Yeah. Oh, nice. These are some good nominations, guys. This yeah. is one of my favorite uh, three-bedroom apartments we've ever put together on this show. <laughs> so not I will make, I will make my case. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> not, not a whole lot of hair. You're right. Uh, I'll make my case for Ron Howard before I get your opinion. So played Opie on the Andy Griffiths show, one of the most iconic American television sitcoms of all time. Uh, even acted before that um, in as early as 1956. He's been acting. Um, also plays one of the most iconic sitcom characters of all time in another show called Happy Days uh, in the 1970s as uh, the one Richard Cunningham, or Richie Cunningham, I should say, and uh, also was a film actor during this point in time, uh, starred in George Lucas's uh, big screen debut, American Graffiti. And after his time on TV and in, uh, as a movie actor, he turned his uh, sights onto making films of his own which are all great, really good stuff. Uh, last year we had Rush, and um, in years past we have been brought st- uh, stuff like A Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man, the one and only uh, Apollo 13, Backdraft, which is a, 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 a 90s uh, yeah. favorite I, of mine. I always forget he did Frost Nixon, too. Right. Yeah. It's a random one. And some random ones, too. He did The, the Grinch with mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. He did Ed TV. Uh, the Da Vinci Code movies, Angels and Demons and the Da Vinci Code, and also The Dilemma, starring Vince Vaughn and Kevin James a that. few years ago. Wow. I bet he's forgotten about that, too. Right. Yeah. But he's you got to give him credit. He's, oh, he'll do anything. Yeah. Uh, that, he can, uh, do, can do almost anything. I mean, he's a really, really talented. Plus, he gave versatile. us Clint Howard. So yes. He gave us and, Clint Howard, yeah. And heavily involved in Arrested Development. So Exactly. And that was my last point. Um, his relevance has stayed uh, in the public eye. Because of his being the visionary behind Arrested Development, along with Brian Grazer, uh, his producing partner. So this is a guy who's brought us multiple beloved franchises, characters over the years. 100% American treasure. Just I heard he's an awesome guy, too, uh, just to hang around. And uh, he's always always got that uh, good attitude, smile about uh, him. Here here comes my second reference. He's like the anti-Leif Garrett. (laughs) <laughs> where like you know when everyone makes the child star argument he's like yeah. the one you can go like well i mean ron howard's super cool and yeah, talented he turned out all right yeah, yeah but uh that's still that's maybe that's fred a, savage at one point 
Fred Savage has a very similar, not in scope career, but very similar type of career. Right. Right. Where he, he moved behind the camera and is really, really respected in his particular field. Now he's never, hasn't really made a statement in, in features, but you're yeah. right there in television directing. He's up like he's one of the top sitcom directors in around. Oh, for sure. And, uh, so that's my, that's my point. Um, Brian, mm-hmm. do you have any pros or cons? Any yeah, cons? I would, I, no, but no. I would add when Richard and I, when Richard and I started the American Treasures, just texting with each other way back in the day, originally the idea was uh, Renaissance men, basically guys who mm-hmm. were like Steve Martin, who is a great comedic actor, can be a serious actor, does plays the. Uh-uh. the you mean banjo. American Treasure? Yeah, Steve Martin. Ex- exactly, <laughs> guys like that. Ron Howard is that sort of guy. Like he is an ex- extremely talented, versatile individual. And curious so, too. I would say he yes. seems like a very curious. Absolutely. He, he really explores the worlds of his film and makes movies. I think to learn about something. Apollo thirteen is a great example of that. I love directors yeah. like that. He's doing the movie right now about the uh, Essex boat with uh, the in yeah. the heart of the sea. Yeah. And uh, I think he just kind of was like, "Hey, I'm interested in that. I want to go. I'm going to go make a movie and learn about it." I think that's a really cool way to direct. I totally agree. And I, I said when we did a rush episode, I think the world of film is better when Ron Howard is making movies that aren't related to the Da Vinci Code because he <laughs> makes movies. He makes blockbusters for adults, which is yes. just it's not something that most people do. It's not something that most studios even uh, do these days, and so. Uh, I, I love whenever he puts out a movie, I get super excited. So yeah, this total yes for me. On that note, guys, let's move on and let's talk about Forrest Gump. David put me on a thing called the All America Team, <laughs> where you get to meet the President of the United States. Congratulations! How does it feel to be an All American? I got a big. <laughs> I believe he said he had to go be. <laughs> Buckle up. Who wants to start this off? Not me. Not it. <laughs> Brian Gill. Why don't somebody else start it so I don't just come in and guns blazing and shoot holes all through it? Okay. I'll say this. I don't mind this movie. Uh, it's not – didn't make my list of top tens of all time. Probably wouldn't make the top 50 in my uh, personal opinion. But it's a movie that I can respect. What it means to American culture – what it means to several different walks of life uh, in American culture, um, what it means cinematically, uh, film technique-wise, I should say. It really, I mean, it's a tough year. I mean, a lot of, I feel like a lot of the hate for this movie comes from, well, that's the same year as Pulp Fiction and The Shawshank Redemption. Is it better than those? Well, probably not, but uh, that was just a particularly strong year in movies. Having said that, I think this movie has a lot to offer. Yes, it's cheesy. Yes, it's sort of meant to be this parable of American culture, uh, which I fully understand uh, that aspect. I mean, this is a fictional film. You've got to remind yourself of that. Um, it's, it's meant seriously for entertainment purposes. It's meant to sort of tell this one man's extraordinary journey. His response to all these significant American uh, cultural landmarks or events and i understand that and um but as a movie itself narratively there's a lot to nitpick um but there's enough to enjoy here that i constantly uh find myself defending this movie uh i can't explain it but whenever i want to hate it i end up loving it so that's sort of my deal with it um there's enough 
bits in it that keep me laughing. There's enough uh, sad stuff in it to keep me sort of sentimental, and there's enough historical significance to make me interested in in those particular events. Like, oh, maybe I want to go research more about uh, about RFK. Oh, maybe I want to go watch a Vietnam War documentary. Uh, you know, things like that. So I think it does a respectable job spanning. Uh, multiple events throughout history, and like I said, this is a this is a story. There's always something I think with most films to to argue about, and, and of course the argument becomes now: Is this the best picture of 1994? Why was it voted the best picture of 1994? If there's so much that you could complain about, whereas uh, a film like Shawshank or Pulp Fiction, or perhaps even Quiz Show or Four Weddings and a Funeral, which were the other nominees, probably less to nitpick um, as a story. Respectable film, I think. It's it's one that people are quite passionate about, obviously, and uh, and you know the Academy agreed by making it uh, best picture and and handing the best actor award to Tom Hanks. So uh, I've always been a fan of Zemeckis. I will say that uh, he hasn't made really anything since Forrest Gump, but uh, his previous work is is great. Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I guess I'll uh, just turn off Polar Express now. But yeah, <laughs> uh, Richard, you can put away your Blu-ray. Uh, you watch it every day to anticipate every, Christmas. Yeah. But who doesn't? I mean, you know. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, I really – I can find things to defend about this movie. And and I, a little bit later I can go into why a film – from a film technique standpoint, this movie is significant in Hollywood. First of all, it's it's really the first movie to use special effects in the way it used it. Subtle use of special effects, things that – or CGI that you would never even know were CGI. I mean, before that, CGI was used for films like Back to the Future or Jurassic Park or uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or something like that. Um, this it really was a stepping stone as far as special effects. So um, there's a lot to like here, but there's a lot to nitpick as well. So I tend to fall on the side of it's a fine movie, but it's not one of my favorites. Uh, Brian, here we go. Go ahead. <laughs> I would say this. If you like this movie, I get it. Like, I, it's not a, I rewatched it obviously yesterday or the day before uh, in preparation for this. I hadn't seen it in many years before that. Um, and as I was watching it, I, I can get why, I can get why people like it. I don't understand why it's a, why it's considered to be like a good movie, like a, a an award caliber film. I think Tom Hanks is really good. I think he probably he de- he definitely deserved a nomination for for best actor. I don't know that he necessarily deserved to win, but Tom Hanks is fine. Um I should American like Treasure this movie. Tom Hanks. American yeah. Treasure Tom Hanks. My bad. Um I should like this movie because I like I like history, I like Americana, I love Tom Hanks. Um I like movies that are, you know, designed to make you have, you know, some emotional reaction and and whatnot. So on so many levels, this should be a movie that I, that I actually quite care for, but instead I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate Forrest Gump. And I watching it again this time around brought out maybe even more hate than I had had previously. Um, It's somewhat related to the fact that it beat out Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction, but Shawshank is my, I said, on our top ten, or our favorite movies. It's my second favorite movie of all time, and it would be my vote for the best movie of all time. Um, it's it's a travesty to me that Forrest Gump 
is somehow considered better than Shawshank or or Pulp Fiction on that level. That probably has some to do with it, but it's just such a cheesy, bad. I I, I think the story is bad. I don't I don't get why it has so much of a pull on on audiences. Um, I just don't I don't get it. It doesn't it doesn't work for me on any level. The the whole bit of inserting Forrest Gump throughout every single thing that happened in American culture between 1955 and 1994 or whatever is so tiring. And I don't, I don't see why people like in the beginning. Okay, fine. Like there's, there's little parts that aren't that bad and, and it's cute, but after a while, don't you just get exhausted with it by, by the end when he's running and, and, the bumper sticker bit and the the t-shirt and all that stuff. Like I wanted to kill myself. I just, I hate that stuff. And I don't get why that's something that we just, not only do we bypass, but it's like, it's, it's embraced for that, that it's so pandering. And I just don't, man, I don't get it. And I, I, there's other things to, to discuss, but right off the top, I just, I hate this movie. And I, I would really like for, I don't know. I know I'm alone in that. I, I've, almost, I've talked to almost no one who agrees with my, my stance on it. And so clearly I'm, I'm missing something. But man, I, I hate Forrest Gump. Richard? Yeah, I, I, will, I will reiterate uh, sentences I've said before. I think uh, I, I kind of come in between uh, you two on this. I think uh, Forrest Gump is, is kind of the Margaritaville of, of, of movies. Like you said, Brian, I get why people like to go to Margaritaville, but yeah. at the same time, <laughs> I don't understand the music or the the appeal. It's it's a theme restaurant. It's the it's a theme restaurant of a movie. <laughs> sure, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, and uh, I get it when you're on vacation, but just people that legitimately would like, you know, when you, I don't know if you've ever been, but like if you go to the Margaritaville in Vegas, and you're like, where are you from? They're like Vegas. And you're like, <laughs> you just come here? Like, who would just, you know what I mean? I, it's yeah. one of those things. Like, people that just, I get the appeal, like, kind of the first time it's kind of like a theme park, but then I don't, I legitimately don't understand why people, like, the love people have for the movie. But it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. And, and, and Brian, and part of my frustration with it is echoed by you, um, or I'm supposed I'm echoing you, in that it, I should like it so much, considering the subject matter. And it just angers me more that I don't. If this movie was about crocheting, it wouldn't really bother me that I don't like it. But, you know, but the concern is about history. I, I love history. It, 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 and uh, but I don't get I don't, I'm not as exasperated with it as you are. I just kind of accept it as a, fa- a fact of, of, of existence. But, you know, I remember when I saw this for the first time, I was just like, confused by it. But I was very young and revisited it. I think like high school age and have revisit, revisited it. I can't speak today uh, several times since. And, and I'm still kind of I'm more confounded by it than angered by it. Winning in 94 uh, has, has confused me as a, as an adult, but not as much as a young person. Cause I just, I still didn't like it even before I really thought about the fact that it beat Shawshank or, or Pulp Fiction or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a really, it, it's a movie that can't, like you said, I, 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 understand why people like it. I just, a lot of people, it's like their favorite movie of all time. And I'm not saying they're wrong because you're totally, absolutely entitled to your opinion. I just, I, for some reason, I just don't get that. I just don't understand how it could be such a top tier. If, if you told me you really like this movie 
I would get that, but I really don't get like the top. And we've had several listeners email me and 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 you know have that in their top ten list, and that's that's great. I, I just wish I could get there, but I I, I just can't. I, I don't I don't understand. It's really sloppy in some places. Yeah, and the story gets really flat in some places and really boring. And there's some there's some moments of greatness in, in Hanks being uh, part of it, but there's some just really unlikable characters. But Robin Wright being one, it's just a it's an odd. Odd movie, and 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 I think the fact that its legacy, at least in the real world, is is now a, a shrimp chain, Bubba Gump's, <laughs> is very is Wait, very that, fit. That came after the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Old joke, but no, it's funny. But like I said, it, it is a it is a theme restaurant of a movie, so I think that's very very fitting. It's 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 if you went to a a restaurant about history. It would be Forrest Gump. Yeah, it, it, Hard Rock Cafe, same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. right. And I, I totally think that's accurate. Um, I totally understand your uh, opinion and uh, respect your opinion on it. And I see exactly where well, you you're should, coming because from. Because I'm right. You are. You're right. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think people are more enamored with looking back uh, when they watch this movie than True. they are Nostalgia's experiencing a, a it, like re- remembering. Oh, I remember where I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Kennedy was shot. Oh, I remember where I was when I first saw Elvis Presley on TV. It relives nostalgic, uh, significant American historical events through the use of this character, Forrest Gump. And I, what, what a better way to do that than to use a sort of slow person <laughs> who doesn't really even know what the heck is going on around him. Uh, and you're right. And like what Brian said, though, that does wear thin over the course of whatever it is, th- oh, two yeah. and a half hours. And I think... I really think that's that's a lethal thing. Like it, people do love to watch that, and I understand the appeal of that. I just think, and at the time that they didn't have the examples of of other things, so I, I I'm fine with how they did it. But just in retrospect, after watching so many things since Forrest Gump, there's so many so many more tasteful ways to do that. And and, and you look at something like Mad Men, which really also keys off of nostalgia, but it's a mm-hmm. it's an undercurrent and it's a B storyline, and it's it's something else and. Whereas Forrest Gump is almost entirely that. Yeah. Yeah. Don Draper is not changing the outcome of every part of culture (laughs) in America the way Forrest Gump did. I mean, yeah, there's there's different ways to do it. This sort of same thing. I think uh, Linklater brought us his version this year with Boyhood, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, definitely a literal version of one person's entire life. uh, Music mixed in from those time periods, uh, the maturing of one person. This is supposed to be. A, a parable. I think I used that word. Earlier. Absolutely. It's um, it's an ordinary man put into extraordinary circumstances. This is not a trope that's new to Forrest Gump. This is a cinematic technique that many films before it utilized, but it just does it in a way. It disguises itself in a way that uh, that most American people can at least appreciate what they were trying to do here. Now, I sure. agree with the unlikable character. I think Jenny is supposed to be unlikable. Um, but oh. we, we just feel so bad for Forrest for liking her uh, because she is such a bad human being. Um, the, the Lieutenant Dan character is pretty unlikable as well. I never really get over his redemption at the end of the movie like most people do. I think Forrest's mom is quite unlikable as well. <laughs> uh, the only likable person is Bubba and Forrest. And, uh, and so that's, that's really all there is there. And it's Forrest sort of in his own world you know, having to deal with – this crap that everyone has to deal with finding love difficulty of your parents, uh, abuse in people's relationships, things like that. So, 
Um, I think it's more people's obsession with the the character of Forrest and it's what people talk about when they left. Oh man, Tom Hanks was so good. That was such a great performance. Like that's that's what people think of when they think of this movie. They don't think of the part where I mean, which I agree should have been cut out, where he rubs his face on a freaking shirt and a smiley <laughs> he invents the smiley face. That's that's the most ridiculous like there's no point in having that in the movie. You can take that out and it makes no difference whatsoever. Ugh. But I mean there's this movie is just really it's a journey. I mean, it's chock full of memorable scenes, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the the growing up stuff is greatness. I think the little kid who plays Young Forest is is really good. Um, he's he's really the inspiration for the character, just the way he enunciated things. And that wasn't acting; like he's really just kind of that slow, like weird Alabama accent. So give him most of the credit for the Academy Award because all Tom <laughs> Hanks did was rip off his ac- that little kid's accent. <laughs> When he came to audition, but I mean, I think that stuff is fun when Forrest sort of grows up and becomes a football star. I think that's a funny bit. You know, that's when he first meets the president. And then, you know, several circumstances after that, uh, he, he ends up going to the White House and, you know, joins the army, sort of normal stuff, gets a job uh, looking for love and, and everything. But I mean, I just think that the way that they chose to go about reliving historical events, while could be offensive to some, has an entertainment value to it. I'm not offended by the fact that he showed his butt to a uh, LBJ or or whatever, you know? Uh, like that's just a funny bit to me because how there's, stupid do you have to be? There's far more offensive things in the movie than that. Sure. But I mean, I'm just using that as a one no, of I many don't. examples, but um doesn't offend me really. I get it. It's supposed to be a fun nostalgic look back at at America. And and I think the the really serious stuff is taken serious. The assassinations, the war, everything like that uh, has a dark tone to it. Um, you know, the the PTSD that Lieutenant Dan goes through and everything, it's all real. And it's I think it's respected in its own right, as well as the unknown disease that Jenny all get the Jenny gets at the end of the movie. And death in itself is is respected in the in the film, which I uh, appreciate. But, yeah, that's that's sort of my little mini spiel about the character of Forrest. Uh, what else is so so bad or good did you like anything about this at all brian uh, any no, part that I mean, you enjoy tom hanks is great um there's one or two moments especially towards the end when he meets his son and has that very very authentic and genuine um moment of wondering if if the kid is is slow like he is and stuff that's a really good moment i laughed once or twice but now i can't remember what it was that that made me that made me laugh uh watching it this time around and the music's good, so that's that's a plus. But I again, I just man, I just hate everything else about it. I think Jenny. I, I'm gonna have to disagree with you a little, Kent. I think Jenny is supposed to be a sympathetic character, um, and they play her that that way. And I don't get that at all. I think she's one of the worst humans ever in a movie. Um, and I I don't. I think that you're not supposed to feel that way. I think you're supposed to see the horrible things that she's doing and feel bad for Forrest, but you're supposed to get some. You're supposed to feel good when she gets redemption at the end, and I don't at all. I just I think she's just a terrible, terrible person. Whereas I think you're right, Lieutenant Dan is supposed to be unlikable. I I think Ginny was I, I don't know, but I will say this: I don't like Robert Zemeckis. I love yeah. Back to the Future, and I love I, I enjoy Back to the Future too. I don't know that he's ever made another movie that I like at all. Um, I don't like his sense of humor at all, and I don't I don't care for his. 
his the way he themes his his yes. uh his scenes and whatnot i think is is bad filmmaking honestly i don't i i get why he's popular because he's put out some he gets he gets big budgets and he does a lot with it so i i give him some credit for that and and the movie shot well which is something that he's you know he's known for i think the the visual style but i think his Man, I, I I really dislike the way that he puts a movie together. The way he and, understands humans is yes, concerning. I, that's a, <laughs> I, I, that's a perfect way to put it. Uh, he has a. I think he's he has some. He has a very uh, strange would not be a strong enough word. Possibly disturbing outlook on on yes. uh, on the world and, and as you said, Richard, humans. <laughs> uh, and I and that bleeds over so much in this movie. More than any of the others, except for maybe like Flight, which is another film that people really like and I think is is really bad, really it, really bad. So look, so I, I it may just be that I Saw don't get this. <laughs> I don't get uh, this director's vision, um, but I also I kind of like I don't want to get get it either on some <laughs> level. Like this is not this is a movie that I've in the past I've tried really hard to like and I just can't get there this time around watching it for the first time from a critical standpoint I I put aside I want to like this and just watched it as a you know I'm going to I'm going to critique it as I would a movie that I'm seeing for the first time that I don't know if people are going to love or whatever and I don't I don't think it's I just don't think it's good I don't think that I think there's a lot of parts that people are entertained by that man they just don't work for me just don't what work specifically comes to mind again it, it's all in it's all in tone and theme you know it you're right it does treat death with respect which a lot of films don't and so i give it credit for that but i also feel like there's like this undercurrent of comedy throughout that isn't appropriate for the scenes and for the setting in, in my opinion like even like when he's running back into the jungle to to recover his fallen comrades it's done with almost – it's not supposed to be humorous, but it's like – Yeah, yeah, and it's almost like Zemeckis won't put in – it's not like I'm trying to make you laugh, but you get the feeling that he's laughing while he's filming it. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, – and there's other moments throughout where they, you know, they make plays on Forrest being – slow and it's done in in a slightly mean-spirited kind of way i i don't know man i i just there's multiple times throughout to the point that the whole movie starts to run together into i don't like this i don't like this i don't like this like this doesn't this doesn't work this isn't right this isn't the way that a movie should be paced or put together for me and you may be right there may be like great nostalgic value for anyone who grew up in this this era but i didn't so it doesn't help me, you know, that doesn't help at all either. You know, I don't have that to fall back on at any point. Yeah, I should commend Zemeckis's filmmaking technique. Not his storytelling. I think yeah. his technique is fantastic. I think his the way he can compose a shot is great. Um, he's <laughs> brought us some of the most memorable uh, non-score uh, musical moments in recent history. Forrest Gump, for example, is one of the best uh, soundtracks of all time, probably sure. one of the most high-selling, as well as Back to the Future brought us some great Huey Lewis and the News numbers. Yep. But yeah. um, I think there are some great moments in flight, too, with music. Uh, for example, yeah. when we were introduced to John Goodman's character and the Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones is playing as he's walking into uh, 
to the hospital to meet mm-hmm. uh, Denzel's character. I think that's is a it, really great cinematic moment. Um, I, but isn't but, that kind of easy? I don't. I, yeah. I'm never that impressed. But, but see, that. most directors aren't even like smart enough to use a song effectively, or they don't movie. have the budget. They don't to care. Get the song. They don't. Yeah. They don't care. Really, usually, it's it's just amazing that some bad, some truly bad musical moments have happened in in some movies this past year. And and when it, when a great one does, like Boyhood, for example. It, uh, I really noticed in American Hustle last year mm-hmm. as yeah. well. I'm just Guardians like, wow, you never can under Guardians do. You can never underestimate the power of a great song in a film. And I think Forrest Gump does that particularly well, I should say. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with, I mean, it's hard to, and, and we've seen ever since Forrest Gump came out, we've seen this in Hollywood. You, it's hard to do somebody who is mentally challenged without being. <laughs> offensive in some sense of the word like has has one of these roles worked really at all since Forrest Gump I mean they made an entire bit in Tropic Thunder about that exact (laughs) thing like it just it either works or it doesn't work and I think for the most part it works here I mean I'm sure somebody like Forrest growing up in a time where I'm sure mental retardation was less of an issue less of a public um in the public domain, like people just telling you straight up, are you stupid or something? You know, some stuff like that. And that's offensive. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, if you grew up in that time and you were like that, maybe that's how you would have been treated. I don't know. Uh, if that's what you mean, I think it's hard to watch sometimes the, the way Forrest is treated for his lack of intelligence is, yeah. it's kind of hard to watch, but yeah, yeah. you're right. They, they, it does the movie does pretty well on that front as far as it's realistic i think for as far as his treatment um but i think that the reason that it succeeds is because of tom hanks i don't think it has anything to do with the movie or zemeckis i just think tom hanks is really is is one of the best actors of all time and he was able to to pull something off that you're right most people can't do I, i think sean penn got a I want to say he got an Oscar nomination for. Yeah, IMC. he was. He got, he got nominated, but yeah. I don't think that movie was looked at. You remember Radio <laughs> starring Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, like yeah. these movies just don't work. It's yeah, just so I, hard. I, absolutely. So it can be done with a great performance by a great actor, which Sean Penn is as well. But, but that I don't, I don't know. Like it, it, to me, it's a movie that very distinctly the perform and sometimes it goes the other route we we see plenty of times where a movie is better than the performances this is one where the lead performance is to me significantly better than the <laughs> than the uh than the movie itself and that's the only to me it's the only redeeming quality beyond like you said the soundtrack is great i think i own the soundtrack uh it's getting a vinyl I- re-release just so you know sweet so you can see, pre-order and- that for and that's that's <laughs> for $59. great and- yeah and you're right zemeckis does a great job with placing placing songs fortunate son is used perfectly in this in this yeah. film i mean you know great great stuff but to me like zemeckis is borderline michael bay it's just that he happens to pick subjects that seem like they have more weight or do have more weight mm-hmm. than michael bay's films but michael bay I, I don't know that robert zemeckis is a better director than michael bay is you quite, might, quite honestly you might be right um, they, they have similar understandings of the human condition yes yes in absolutely. That, Let's just make it look pretty and blow things up. And, I think it's yeah. it's pretty funny. There's enough little small bits in here that make me laugh. For example, his obsession with Dr. Pepper. 
I think is pretty funny. It's small, but it's funny. I think his, uh, his, you know, when he becomes a ping pong player in the army and the first, when he's first introduced to the game, the guy says, never take your eye off the ball. And so in every ping pong shot in the rest of the movie, he doesn't blink once in any shot because he's literally keeping his eye on the ball. Uh, stuff like that, like his, his willingness to follow instructions is take things so literally is sort of a funny bit, and which also plays into his mental condition. I understand that. Um, like the fact that he has his eyes closed in every single picture that's taken of him, I think that's a funny bit too. <laughs> like he always blinks when the when the flash goes off even on the giant cardboard cutout of himself his eyes are closed i think that's a pretty funny bit uh you know there's a lot of symbology in here too which um i'll get into my little why this movie won best picture um discussion there's this way of viewing movies that was sort of brought to the forefront by this canadian film critic uh robin wood and uh robin wood's theory it was this it was this little like uh i guess essay you could say called ideology genre artur and it really talks about mainly american ideology enforced through filmmaking and so that's the only way i can really defend why the academy picked forrest gump over said other movies and uh um wood gives 12 points about like Every quintessential American-made film should should possess all of these qualities, or at least harken back or address these uh, these certain themes. So, number one is capitalism. Uh, you know, the right of ownership, private enterprise, personal um, initiative, setting yourself a goal for yourself and, and achieving them. Which this movie obviously obviously plays on capitalism, being an American movie. Uh, the work ethic is number two, which is sort of this notion of uh, an honest toil in itself is uh, morally admirable. So, like, you do what you're told, you'll achieve great things. Uh, follow, follow what your mama taught you, you know, and uh, and everything will work out. Which obviously, this movie possesses that uh, very, very strongly. Uh, number three is marriage is uh, heterosexual monogamy, which is extremely enforced uh, in this film. Uh, Forrest's main goal in life is to marry Jenny, make her his wife. Even Forrest's mom never really acknowledges the fact that she is a divorced woman. She always says that her dad, their forest dad is on vacation or she alludes to that early in the film, uh, as to not set a non monogamous relationship example for forest. Nature is also involved in this theory, like man's control over nature. Uh, the fact that the suburban lifestyle is more morally admirable than the urban lifestyle. I guess the whole forest mowing all the time, plays over his control over nature. The fact that Forrest conquers the sea on his boat, uh, conquers nature there. Jenny's corn farm, the fact that that corn, the, the high corn literally saves Jenny's life from her abusive father. And also when Forrest tells Jenny to, <laughs> to leave San Francisco and move back to Greenbow, Alabama. <laughs> As in the, the suburban lifestyle is better than the urban lifestyle she was currently living uh also nature as the wilderness is enforced in this so like the conquering of the hurricane like i mentioned uh the raining in vietnam forest conquering america by running across it uh can be i guess you could allude there progress in technology is another point so the example i thought of is basically the leg braces how technology really kickstarts forest's life and uh the leg braces are 
you know, brought around at the end when uh, when Lieutenant Dan gets the the uh, the fake legs, and you see how technology advanced in that particular area, but also how uh, the leg brace, the technology of the leg braces, helped Lieutenant Dan kickstart his new life as well. Uh, success and wealth is obviously an American trait that is um, that's also displayed here. Uh, like there's Forrest says, there's only so much fortune a man really needs. The rest is just for showing off. He really doesn't care about wealth. Most of the movie, he gives you know half of his money shrimping by keeping a promise to Bubba. He would rather mow a lawn than uh, than really make money, which is which is sort of funny in itself. Uh, Rosebud syndrome. Um, the fact that m- the power corrupts. The rich are are never happy. The poor are usually happier than the rich. Uh, this American dream mentality is enforced. Uh, and that's really enforced through the deaths of these celebrities that are depicted throughout the movie. Like the rich and famous, the, the truly powerful are never happy. They're, in fact, they're being murdered all around you. Um, so that's enforced there. And then so the last ones are is uh, everyone can achieve success because America has all the tools for success. Um, this is evident in like Jenny calling her, calling the police on her dad to get out of her abusive relationship with her dad, because the, the police system is a right to Americans that we can use, uh, for, for the better, for the greater good. If we so choose, uh, the right to an education Forrest gets his education. Um, holidays should be recognized in America. We see three holidays depicted and celebrated in the, in the film. And the last bit of, of points deals with the ideal male, ideal female. This is the main, I guess, character theme throughout the movie. Forrest wants to be the ideal male for Jenny. Jenny wants to find the ideal male. So she goes with all these other different guys, uh, I guess sort of these adventurer, untamable male type guys. Um, she dates a jock in college. She dates this sort of head of a protesting committee uh, later in life, trying to find the ideal, attractive male and Forrest views Jenny as the ideal female the whole the whole time, and uh, and so Jenny never really you know settles for Forrest until she realizes that he's the um, the dependable father figure that she had always wanted. And so those are just all the points that are raised by Robin Woods. Like if every if a movie is truly American, it should at least represent all these points somewhere in there, uh, or at least you can make an argument for that. So I couldn't really match most of those up with the other films from 1994. Uh, I mean, I mean, Shawshank would probably be the closest to that, especially, you know, man versus nature, the uh, ideal lifestyle, American dream type stuff can, can be paralleled there. But I think that's the reason that American society is so obsessed with this film, Forrest Gump, is that it represents the most it's the most American movie maybe ever, you know, it's like just throwing American culture at you left and right. And, uh, and so that's, I guess that's technically how you could defend this film as culturally significant, if that makes sense. End of, uh, end of essay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that was interesting. You know uh, what I mean? Like it that- certainly adheres to that. You're, you're right. And, and it's, it's, uh, but it, I don't know. It still doesn't work for me. But I, I do. I do understand that. It's. But to me, that just adds to kind of the formulaicness of it, and the kind of cliff notes aspect of it. But it's certainly. It's certainly something to be thought about. I'll be thinking about the next few days for you sure. Know, I, yeah. 
I think it's still for on that level. Like I said at the beginning, like it goes back to not only is it universally loved, it was also it had awards heaped on it, which is the frustrating is is the frustrating part. Like if you you know what I compare this to like the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I really liked that movie a lot, um, and I I enjoyed it more than the average person. But still, like I get that it's not a great film, but I I really liked it. It did not win Best Picture. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's the thing that that drives me crazy. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of flaws in this movie. Even if you are a huge fan and you love it, you have to admit there's a ton of issues. And the Academy said that's the best movie of the year during a year that was historically stacked. That is an issue to me. Yeah. Um, any specific? I mean, I don't know if I asked you earlier. Any specific issues? Oh, I, I think I've mine are well on the record at this point. I do want to mention the the end or the last bit of it. Um, I think it's smart the way they structure the film. Forrest sitting on a bench telling a story to a complete stranger, which, by the way, breaks the trope of don't talk to strangers throughout the movie. That's really what gets him through his entire life, which is another conversation. Um, but puts it in that context. And the third act is sort of him currently – uh, after all those events happened, which is um, kind of funny. And the fact that the end of the movie just, <laughs> it really kind of tears me up. When he meets his son, I think that's a, that's the moment where, where Hanks had the Oscar. When, uh, when he asks Jenny if his son is mentally okay. You know, like the fact that you go through this entire two and a half hour experience and you think that Forrest is completely naive to the fact that he is the way he is, you know, the fact, I mean, the end where, where Hanks is like, I get it. I know I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is sort of thing. Uh, that, that was an unexpected moment. The first time I watched the film, I didn't expect him to realize what his impact on everyone around him and what, how he was putting everyone back a step by being around him. Does that make sense? Like, he probably thinks sure. nothing good could ever come from himself. And the fact that, uh, that his young, young son, uh, Forrest Jr. was the smartest kid in his class, like that's all he wanted in life type of thing. I think that scene is particularly effective. And uh, Jenny's death at the end when he's talking to her tombstone is particularly effective as well. So, I mean, this has a lot of moments that I can say or I can see the Academy going – that's what we want in movies, those types of moments. So uh, I think there are enough moments like that to justify a nomination, I should say. I still think that Pulp Fiction should have won just for what it means to cinema. Um, people are still looking at that movie and like, how can I do that? You know, They don't really say that about Forrest Gump, really. There haven't been a lot of movies that have tried to do this nostalgia thing quite the way that Forrest Gump has done it. But, uh, so I wouldn't have voted for Forrest Gump. Like I said, it's not my favorite. It's not in my top 30 or 50 of all time, but, uh, I get it. And so I think you guys can agree with that point that we get the, why people like it as much. Um, what I do want to know is I want to hear the fans perspective on this. I want the fans to email, uh, like Richard said, we did get a couple people that sit in their top tens and they had Forrest Gump on there. So maybe you could shed some more light as to why uh, this movie is one of your favorites of all time. That would be that would be cool because that would help us understand maybe uh, why this movie has has so much praise. But okay, yeah. um, 
Anything else you guys want to say about it? We want to give grades. Yeah, we can give grades. Uh, I'll give this a A minus. Um, I have personal issues with it. Uh, things that should definitely not be in the movie that take away from the illusion they're going for here. Um, we we mentioned that with the with the smiley face thing for for example, but uh, respectable film, I think in my opinion, and uh, it's perfectly fine. Uh, but it's not one of my. It's not an A plus. So, Brian, uh, because Tom Hanks is good, I'm gonna save it from an F. It's a it's a D for me. Hate this movie. Hate it. My, probably my least favorite movie that we've reviewed, tied with uh, with Draft Day. Wow. Ooh, now you see me. I don't. I mean, I now you see me is a terrible movie, but I enjoyed watching it because of how bad it was. <laughs> like this one is the opposite of that. Uh, Richard, I'm gonna go just a flat out C. Okay. Uh, wow, controversial, guys. I know that's by far the biggest gap we've ever that's had. By, on this by far the biggest gap. Grades. And uh, it's a good discussion. Yeah. I, I I enjoy like you like you said you don't. Like you said, Brian, you don't meet people every day that don't really like this movie. It's just yeah. it's been it's become a universally beloved film. It's in the uh, it's an Academy Award for Best Picture film. It's in the AFI's top one hundred of all time. I think at in the mid seventies. So um, I think Pulp Fiction is in that list too, and I think Shawshank is actually four or five steps in front of it yeah. on the AFI list. So Shawshank has become the best film of that year. I think when people look back. Um, but it's more, it's more morally, uh, accepted than Forrest Gump is. So good discussion. Uh, I still have faith. Robert Zemeckis can make a comeback in 10 years, maybe bring us something decent. I didn't like flight at all. I think, uh, the end of that movie just ruined everything, uh, that it was building toward. So, I mean, but there were moments that I can appreciate from, from all of, all of Zemeckis's work, uh, thus far, except for maybe Polar Express, which really creeped me out. <laughs> but on that note, guys, let's move on and let's hit weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. So yeah, my uh, my weekly recommend this week is a TV show that's on Netflix. It will only be on Netflix for another three or four weeks unless they can figure out it. Hopefully, they'll figure out a deal and bring it back. But uh, I I noticed that it was about to expire, so I went ahead and jumped in. Uh, I've watched the first season before, maybe the first season and a half before but i started over and i'm plowing through and uh it's it's really good and it's super nerdy so just if you're not a fan of sci-fi or nerdy tv shows then this is not going to be the one for you but uh so this week i'm going to recommend battlestar galactica (laughs) and uh uh, i'm sure richard has never seen it kent have you ever have you i have yes i've seen not a lot but some okay It's really good, and uh, it's see. It, obviously, the setting is is very nerdy and and uh, ridiculous, but it 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 takes itself seriously in just the right amount, I guess. Uh, it was one of the shows that was mentioned or talked about in Alan Sepinwall's book, uh, "The Revolution Was Televised," as one of the the I think fifteen most influential shows of this this era that we're currently in. It's it, it, and and it deserves to be there. It's a it's a very well acted show. The the special effects are pretty solid, especially given in the early years they they weren't operating with much of a budget. Uh, it gets better as it as it goes, I believe. Um, but they they talk about some very 
standard sci-fi sort of uh, subjects, but they do it in a in a very grounded, humanistic sort of way. Um, and it, man, it's really good and it's enjoyable. It's about, I think it's 70 episodes or something like that. And they play really fast and they, they, they cover a lot of ground in each episode. Uh, so you could, you could easily sit down, start watching this and, and binge through the whole thing in, in three weeks or so, if not less. And that's something that I, I love binge watching TV. So I'm always looking for a new show to, to dig into, um, some of the performances are really good. So uh, check out Battlestar Galactica if you haven't. And if you have before, then this is a good time to, to catch up one more time before it uh, before it leaves Netflix possibly forever. Yep. Uh, so say we all. <laughs> there uh, you go. Nice. But, Brian, good recommend, and I'll second Thanks. that recommend. I want to recommend something this week that's also exclusively to Netflix. And, Richard, I don't know if you've seen this yet or heard about it, but uh, it just came out on Netflix. It's their first original animated series oh, and uh and it's called bojack horseman okay are you at all familiar i am not i'm i'm, I'm commencing my googling uh, uh so bojack horseman stars uh one of our favorites joe bluth himself will arnett nice as, oh i think i i think I as bojack this. horseman and um also aaron paul uh and uh and Patton oswalt who's one of our favorite people of all time um okay. keith olberman also has a role in this show yes uh, he's one of our favorites allison brie is involved amy sedaris, amy, amy sedaris man, two too. of my love my great loves of my life yeah like, but um, it's, a, it's a hilarious animated uh show it's about okay. this horse slash man named bojack horseman who's sort of this sitcom star like this washed up 90s okay. sitcom star he was in this show in the nineties called horse and around okay. and it's just him just in denial about the entire thing, uh, just drinking himself to death and everything. But it's really funny. Um, it's, it's up there with one of the better cartoon series I've seen in a while. Okay. Uh, but I mean, I would recommend it. I haven't seen all the episodes yet, but I mean, people are talking about it right now. It's got plenty of fun little cameos, a huge cast. And um, and it's a sign of great things to come from Netflix, I think, as far as their already stellar lineup of original programs. Mm-hmm. So this goes right along with House of Cards, uh, Orange is the New Black, and Arrested Development. So great stuff. Uh, BoJack Horseman. I will recommend that. Check it okay. out. Have a good time. Will Richard? do. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie, which I never do on this movie podcast, but I'm going to recommend a little movie I've seen a few times and watched this week and really liked. Um, and that's a, that's a movie uh, uh, with Emma Stone, before mentioned earlier in the podcast, called Easy A. Oh. And uh, it's, a, uh, it's kind of a, a take on The Scarlet Letter, which many of us have read in high school. I actually like that book. I like Hawthorne and a little take on that in a, a modern kind of high school setting. Uh, but the, there's some really interesting kind of supporting performances in it. Uh, Stanley Tucci is wonderful in this movie. Uh, Amistota is great, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, Easy A out there to uh, for the recommend. Not not a whole lot of people saw it, but it's 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 very good. Sure, and uh, one of the one of the best Amanda Bynes performances of all time too. Yes, aside say. from her Twitter, right? Exactly. Great stuff. Good recommends. Good discussion this week. Great American treasures. Now congratulations inducted. to our three new American treasures. Yeah, congrats. We will be sending out your vests immediately. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so watch the mail for those. But Brian, where can I find your work online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barden, or, or you can find my writing on the Thought Catalog. Kent, where might I find you? You can find me 
on The Fappening. And you can also find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. And you can find our show on the internet at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And uh, find all of our shows also on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. And on that note, guys, until next time, I will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See you.